Does anybody else feel like we're watching a Disney movie when that gets over? Just Can we say that online? We probably just got kicked off. I'm so thankful. Yeah, I'm so thankful y'all are here today. Uh, and we get together in the Lord's house as we continue our series uh, called Angels. Uh, and what we've been walking through, uh, just literally, we're learning about angels. I love that we aren't afraid as a church to answer questions that many of us have and learn new things when it comes to angels. And as Alex shared earlier, and as we talked about uh, all the way through, we got a series called What Does the Bible Say About? Make sure you get those questions in, because uh, we like to create a space in the fall to answer those questions, whatever they may be. Um, like, you know, maybe your question today is, uh, what is the next lottery ticket? And I can't tell you the answer to that, the number, but we can certainly pray about it, whatever that looks like, if that's what it happens. Uh, so all that to say, we would love to make sure you submit those in. You can do that on the app today. Uh, but we're going to continue our series on angels. Last week we talked about uh, like the hierarchy of angels. We learned a lot about angels. We learned that angels are real and that the prophets, uh, the prophet team, the deacon team, Alabama was right when they sang the song, there are angels among us. And so today we're going to continue in our series about angels and we're going to learn through hold my wings. Uh, for those of you who are hungry for lunch right now, you're angry with me, but we are thankful that we get to, to dive into this. So hold my wings is what we're going to talk about. So wherever you are right now, uh, we're going to be, we're going to spend most of our time in Ezekiel and Isaiah. You never thought Ezekiel would spill over into another series, but God opened the door to let that happen. Uh, and as you get there, uh, before we get into our scripture, we've been walking through all the way here with Hebrews. I just want to say, uh, I want us to play a game real quick before I say what we say. I want to play a game real quick. All right. So it's called the opposite game. If you have a teenager, that's the game you play all the time. If you have a two-year-old, that's the game you play all the time. No means yes, yes means no. It just is what it is. So I want to I throw some words out there, and I want to hear the opposite of it. Uh, let, let's see what happens. So when I throw a word out there, you give me the opposite. We're clear? We're going to throw a few out there. I hear a yes, which means no. So I guess we're not. I'm just kidding. We're going to play the opposite game, wherever you are, uh, the opposite game. So first, up, down, left. We get that. Hey, that's good stuff. Left, right. Okay. Uh, so good, bad. Okay. I like that. I like that. Um, hmm. Win, lose. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. I got this. Uh, angels. People say demons. Okay. We're getting there. We're getting a little hairy here. God has no equal. And that's where I, this is what I want to get into. And this is where I, I've even had this warped growing up there. I've always said the devil. Now, the devil is God's enemy, but there is no rival. God has no equal. And what I want to dive into today with that is what if what we've thought was true our whole life or what we have studied is actually wrong? Because see, here's the thing about angels. When I talk about hear my wings, this is what happens. Uh, or hold my wings. Hear my wings? Uh, hold my wings is I've said this last week, and I'll say it again before we dive in. We can be so focused on angels that we miss out on Jesus. But here's the thing. We can be so focused on Satan and his schemes that we miss out on Jesus, too. And we miss out on the freedom of that. Our full focus should be on Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Everything else will fall into place when we do that. But the issue is, so many times, what will happen, though, is... Angels are mysterious. It's fun. I'm not going to lie to you. I've been trying to read a lot in this. It has been fun studying this, but I'm reminded, and the Holy Spirit is always pressing in on me and saying, man, if you got this excited about how to get the gospel to the ends of the earth, not that we don't understand that, but if we got this excited, how much more of a tool could we be for God? How much more could he work through us? Because the thing is, if we look for angels and we go to chase angels, we might actually catch Satan. Because it says Satan masquerades as a child of light. Satan masquerades as that. And so we have to be careful. So I'm saying all this. I'm giving you all these caveats of angels, I know. I would highly recommend. Billy Graham wrote a book in the 70s. Really good book. It's called Angels. He, he did a second revision at the end of the 70s. That's what I read getting ready for this. David Jeremiah writes a book. It's great. But uh, I, I would highly encourage you to do that. Check that out. But don't get so caught up in angels that we miss the rest. Because here's the thing. Uh, we've been in our Bible app, Devo, and we were studying about angels today, and, and it just it kind of just nailed it on the head. And a little bit at the end, it seems a little crazy because I'm going to sound really crazy next week when I share some angel story. But um, 
We have the Holy Spirit in us giving us the message of God, the Word of God, constantly filling us if we are in Christ Jesus. So we don't need angels to be our messengers anymore. They are messengers of God. God will use them. Revelation is full of how they are going to work all the way through. You can see it, but we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. So as we learn about angels, this all is going to point to Jesus. So if you're with me, give me an amen. All right, we're good. So we learned today. We've had the opposite game. Like I said, I grew up always saying that there was an angel and a devil on your shoulder. If you had any of those little things, you know, they were whispering in your ear. Bugs Bunny always had them, and he had them both fight. Uh, the, 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 uh, the devil was usually like Elmer Fudd, right? And the Elmer Fudd, anyway, you have fun with that. So wherever you are today, let's learn about Hold My Wings. The verse we've kind of been rallying around on angels is in Hebrews 1. If you have your Bible, you can get there. We're just going to talk one verse, but more specifically, get to Ezekiel. 28, uh, because that's where we're going to spend most of our time today. If you don't have a Bible, as always, we have them free for the asking in the back of our production team. Zach, make sure that it's on here every week. Uh, wherever you're watching around the world, it does an incredible job. Make sure that you can watch in the house or on the streams online. But as always, you can follow along with us in our, Bible, or in our Vine Church, free Vine Church app. Uh, you can find like a place to submit prayer requests, all kinds of things. So go to the vine.tv slash app. Download that today. We're done with the promo commercials. Here we go. Hebrews 1.14 about angels. This is the rally cry we're going to have. And it says this, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation who will inherit salvation that's kind of what we kind of walked through is believe it or not just we talked about the hierarchy of angels last week i want to press in on this really quick before we get to ezekiel 28 so many bible scholars say that the angels were created somewhere between the second and third day perhaps so the angels were created before us we're going to learn about satan today through this Sounds really crazy, I know, at church, learning about Satan, but that's what we should know. Uh, but the angels were created before us, and they are a higher order of us because they were created for us, before us. It's crazy, I know. If you read in Colossians, the supremacy of Christ, it talks about how Jesus, also the writer of Hebrews here, how Jesus stepped down to become flesh for us, how God stepped to become flesh for us, and now because he is risen again, he has exalted the name above all names, but he is also exalted back above angels. So here we go. Here's where this all plays out, and this is what I'm getting at when it says the angels minister to us. So the angels are above us in a higher order, yet God says here in Hebrews 1.14 that he still sends those who are above us to serve us. That doesn't point to Jesus. I don't know what else will. But in the final resurrection, when we are all risen up in the end with Christ, we will be above angels again. For you power trippers, you'll be excited. Uh, you can tell Gabriel, I got a message for you. I'm hungry. I need a refill on my drink. But I mean, I'm just, I, it is what I'm, you know, I'm going to be, it's a long line. Peter's going to make fun of me and put me in the back. So I'll be there. I'll be the court gesture entertaining you on your way in through the pearly gates. So all that to say, Understand that. that. If that doesn't get you fired up, I don't know what will. So angels were created before us, a higher order than us. We're going to learn about Satan in that. Yet at the same time, God still employs his angels to do his will to serve us who inherit salvation through Christ Jesus, his son. And in the end, as we are resurrected in Christ, we are no longer identified by our sin, ourself. We will actually be identified in Christ, which is exalted above the angels. That's really crazy cool. So we got better than six wings, y'all. It's going to be a good time. So here we go, all the way through. What I want you to know is this, and uh, as we go through this with angels, and we're going to see this in Satan, just kind of like a big idea here as this points to Satan, uh, what we're going to learn today. Unlike you and I, even though angels were created before us, there's no way for them to be redeemed. Think about that. Think about God's love enough for us that he didn't make a way for those he created before us, those that he sees the most, those that are by his side like the heavenly host worshiping him, they can't be redeemed. It says a third of the angels fall. You read about the dragon in John's revelation, how a third of the angels are swept down. We're going to see you today where Jesus also says in John 8 how he saw Satan thrown down like lightning. We can see he talks about Satan being the father of lies in John 8. We can see all of that it doesn't say those angels, the third of angels that fell, will be redeemed. It says they're going to be thrown in the fire with Satan. So if you don't think God loves you, think about that. And you're going to see this beautiful thing he created called Satan, and yet he still, instead of finding a way to just redeem Satan, even though the door's always open, he made a way to redeem us. I don't know, that, 
it, it should get you excited. Okay, Ezekiel 28. Here we go. Let us soak in. Ezekiel 28. Here we are. Ezekiel's had some of those good, good brownies. He's been to Colorado, out in Washington State somewhere. He's got some crazy visions. He's ready to go. Ezekiel 28, verse 12 through 14. We're going to see, it's going to say a lament against the king of Tyre. I don't know about you, but tires are a problem sometimes. But the king of Tyre, but it's actually describing Satan. So let's look at this and see what happens. Verse, 20, or verse 12. Son of man, take up lament concerning the king of Tyre and say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect and beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you carnelian, chrysolite, and emerald, topaz, and onyx, and jasper, and lapis lazuli, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountains were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were, the holy mount of, you were on the holy mountain of God. You walked among the fiery stones. So really quick, before we go on, this is really crazy. It, so Satan was created in the beginning, but look at the description of Satan. He was perfect, full of wisdom, and full of beauty. He was just right. He had all of these, these precious metals on him. If you actually look back and you see there are nine mentioned there, there are 12 tribes of Israel. If you look, when you see uh, the ephod that a lot of the priests would wear, they would put on a breastplate. We know that as a breastplate of righteousness now. But there were stones on there when they would, they, they would go and carry the ark of God, be in the presence of God and these are some of the stones that are listed. They aren't the rolling stones, but they are stones that are listed. So wherever you are, understand that Satan was perfect. He was beautiful. God made him the archangel. We talked about this last week, that Gabriel is, is believed Gabriel's the one who took out God's order to throw those third of the angels out, or excuse me, Michael, threw those third of the angels out with Satan, and now Michael is the archangel. So Satan was the archangel, but what's beautiful here, that is, it, it'll make sense here at the end where we're going. Is Satan was in the garden before Adam and Eve. Think about that. We know he was, obviously, because there was a little, you know, uh, I told you I'll punch you in the throat if you bring one out. But there was, you know, rolling around like those seraphim were snakes. We talked about that, but they were fiery snakes. So think about this. Satan was among the fire. He was among the throne of God. He was in the presence of God. He was in the Garden of Eden, leading the music, going crazy, getting everybody fired up, worshiping God, and something creeps in on Satan. Yet, before we go on, God still made you and I. still made a way for us to be redeemed. I'm going to keep saying this all the way through because this is something that should get us... This world will, yes, yes, this world is like in a labor pain, waiting and groaning for Christ's return. Yet we're the ones that get to be redeemed. We're the ones Jesus came for. Not our dog, not our cat, not our uh, Marmaduke or whatever that is. I don't even know if that is. Our koala bear or our sloth. Us. He made a way for us. If, I don't know about you, but if I created something that was perfect, beautiful, and full of wisdom, I'd just stop. Because I know I couldn't do anything else. I'd just stop. Yet God still went on. And he made you and I. How crazy is that? How crazy it? More on that in a second. Ezekiel, uh, let's go 15 to 19. This is describing Satan again. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created, till that crazy word, till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you out in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. By your many sins and dishonest trade, you have desecrated your sanctuaries. So I made a fire come out from you, and it consumed you. Sounds like Taco Bell, doesn't it? I'm just kidding, y'all. That's <laughs> good times. Come on, we've got to have some fun. Had a fire come out from you. And I consumed you, and I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching. All the nations who knew you are appalled at you. You have come to a horrible end and will be no more. Guys, this is crazy. Like, uh, So Satan was in the garden. Wickedness enters in. Satan is actually thrown to the garden. Perhaps he was there before he was thrown to the garden. Don't have the fullness of that. We can see that Jesus says he saw Satan thrown down like lightning out of heaven. 
but he was perfect and beautiful. Pride creeps in, sin creeps in, and he's cast out from the garden. Pride keeps in. We're going to read the I will statements of Satan here in a second. So pride creeps in, and Satan is cast out of the presence of God. It should be even more crazy if you ever say, hey, I'm going to pick a side. I'm going to try to figure out good or evil. Uh, if I think God's counterpart is Satan, it's not. It's God's enemy. Why is Satan God's enemy? Because he describes it sin, sin. God cannot be in the presence of sin. So think about this. A fallen angel, Satan, takes a third of the angels with him when he falls, and he goes to a man, God's creation on the sixth day, and wants him to fall to. This is you and I. We were kicked out of the presence of God because of sin in us. We were in the presence of God, but look, look, it says, it says, I expelled you all the way through, that we were blameless in the creation until wickedness found us, until pride found us, until we thought we knew better how to be our God before God did, before our creator. And instead of us just being stuck like Satan, Christ is the way. Jesus comes. God in the flesh comes for us to make a way for us to be redeemed. And instead of us having to be thrown in the fire and completely destroyed because of our sin, he makes a way for us to be set free from it. I, I know I, I, I'm, I'm, here's the problem that we can get stuck in. Satan is, 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 is perfect in wisdom. He is beautiful. He is walking around masquerading and like we've heard pastors say, I've heard pastors say, so I'll be honest with you when it comes to this. Satan knows the Bible better than you do. Knows the Bible better than I do. He knows the word of God. But see, here's the thing. Satan knows the word of God, but it's no longer the language he speaks. He speaks his own language. He's the father of lies. He speaks the language he, as he did with Adam and Eve. He takes his pride and sin and he repackages it every time. Like it, He re-gifts it. Listen, if you don't like a re-gifter at Christmas, that's Satan. Satan's a re-gifter. That's all he does. He takes pride, he takes sin, and he repackages it. He'll repackage it in that relationship you don't need to be in. Repackage it in financial decisions you don't need to make. Repackage it in a car decision or a house decision or the wrong thing. He keeps repackaging it over and over and over and over again, and Jesus comes and says, there's a better way. Let me show you the way. Because we weren't created to be cast out. We weren't created to be destroyed. So if you struggle with God right now, and hey, maybe one of your questions, a little more on this in a second, when it comes to our what does the Bible say about how could God let evil happen? Well, God didn't let evil happen. God made a way for redemption to happen. We choose evil. We choose sin. We choose pride. But we're going to see how that works out in God's plan all the way through. So all the way through, Satan will be consumed by the fire. Here in Ezekiel 28, if you ever want to read Revelation 20, this is where this lines up, said Ezekiel and Revelation. Also, when it comes to this, when Satan repackages this, we see, remember, we're going to get in, we're end in Genesis 3, how he goes to Adam and Eve and says, hey, did God really say you're going to die? He ain't killed me yet. And certainly, I was perfect. Like, I think of those things that I was perfect, full of beauty and wisdom. Hey, Eve, I've got the best beauty treatment for you. Hey, Adam, you want to be smart instead of being a, a, a goofball? Listen, I got something for you. I'm full of wisdom. Let me tell you about what it is. It's better than God's. It's different than God's. And so many times we can be kicking, screaming with that. So let's see what Isaiah says. So flip a couple pages to your left. Let's go to Isaiah. Let's look at, at what Isaiah says about Satan. Because the reason I want to deal with this for us is we've got to recognize Satan, but our, our focus shouldn't be on him. Our focus should be on Christ. But when we can see his schemes and we can see what's happening, it helps us. So Isaiah 14, verse 12 through 15 says this, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to earth. You once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly in the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend to the tops of the clouds. I will make myself the most high, but you were brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. 
So we just heard the king of Tyre being described as Satan. This is Satan right here fallen. Now, he was called the morning star. This is beautiful. When I look back, you can look. I think it's like Revelation 22. Uh, in the end, in Revelation 22, Jesus even redeems the morning star. He even redeems that. He says he is the morning star. He says he is the light. He reminds us of that. He redeems that part. But Satan was called the morning star in this. He was thrown down. So think about that. When you see the stars, if you saw a star fall from the sky, uh, what would you do? Uh, I would probably pray and think, okay, it's apocalypse, just the way things are going. But uh, I would look for dinosaurs. Uh, I would say, they know, the, they know the way. I don't know what happened. Maybe I messed up. But like, if you see a star fall from the sky, that's what Satan looked like. Morning star at the time, like, lamentations. His mercies are new every morning. Look at the redemption that God has for us. Like, think of that all the way. Or is that Ecclesiastes? Sorry, I'm saying lamentations. His mercies are new every morning. Satan, the morning star, shine bright tonight. Shine bright like a diamond, right? Like he was shining, and he got thrown down because of his pride. He cared more about what he looked like. Look at his I will statements. He's saying, I will be above God. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Satan wanted all of God's privileges, all of God's freedom, and all of God's worship and we say, man, Satan, what's such a bad guy? I don't want any of that yet sitting on the throne of our heart as something where we want adoration, where we think we can control better than God, where we think we have the answer better than God. We have better wisdom. We look better in it. God, I know I shouldn't buy this, but man, I look good in this, don't I? Like, mm, 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 mm. I don't know. I'm going to fall if that happens. We think we look good in it. A guy's like, that don't look good on you. Son, that don't look good on you. Mm, 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 mm. We, we tell him, we, we say that. What don't look good on me? That relationship, that financial decision, that big expensive college receipt we hang on our wall <laughs> that you hope that big thing may not be the right thing for you. That may not be it. But you see, I see these I will statements, and I see how Jesus redeems it, and I think of us, and I say, man, the conviction is, Lord, if my focus isn't on you, it's on the same thing Satan was doing. See, we, we say Satan's a bad guy. Satan's got this. He's got his fallen angels, and they're out employing things. See, Satan's a copycat, too. If you ever think about this, back in the Cold War, we used to make fun of Russia for copying everything we did. That probably still happens now around the world. We used to make fun of them like they couldn't have jets that flew as fast as we did. They just copied our, our jets and things like that. Don't kick me off the internet for this, please, Jesus. We used to make fun of that, but that's what Satan is. As much as Satan hates God, he's a copycat. See, God works his will through his angels. And what does Satan do? He works his will through his angels. He tries to get his fallen angels to go around the world to, to do what Satan can do because he can't be everywhere at once. But you see, what I love about God and what we have to understand is, is this. God didn't just stop at his angels <clears throat> to accomplish his will. Think about that. He could have stopped there. Well, I've already made the perfect thing and it betrayed me. So why would I keep going? Yet instead, instead, he creates you and I to do his will, to be a part of his body. Like, I look at the I will statements of Satan, and I look at where Jesus is as God, and he doesn't say I will, he says I am. And that's the difference. Who are you? Who am I? Who are we? Because who we are determines what we do. Satan is all about what he does, but Jesus says, this is who I am. I'm the bread of life. I'm the light. I'm the door. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the vine. I'm the resurrection, the way, the truth, the life. The I am statements of Jesus. Jesus, I am. What did God say to Moses? Who sent you? I am. That's what we have to be focused on. The angels will minister to us at that moment in time. Think about that. Hebrews 1.14, did he not send the angels to minister to those who will inherit salvation? That is what it's all about. So when we see Satan and his schemes trying to make everything on the throne of our heart be anything but Christ, everything, like maybe, maybe our treasure is those nice pearls, those nice jewels that Satan has, and Jesus comes along and says, make me your treasure and you will have life. Make me your treasure, and you will find the way. Make me your treasure, and instead of worrying about where your standing is in the world, you'll know who you are for eternity. See, this life is nothing but a blip. It's a blip on the radar. I was getting ready, and I said, man, this is something. I'm going to share it now because I feel the Spirit saying to share it. So I will say this, and as we got to celebrate 
Thursday. This is where the Spirit hit me when you were talking about your father Thursday because I'm coming up on two years from, from my mother, so I understand. I see this graphic, and uh, I just want to... How many of us have parents in our 60s? Have parents in their 60s? Statistically speaking, I just want to be... How many of you see them like once a year, maybe? I know a lot of folks are with their family here. Maybe you're watching online, and this is for you. The average lifespan is about 78. If your parents are in their 60s, if they're 60 years old and you see them once a year, you're going to see them 18 more times before they die. This life is but a blip. So that argument you're having in the light of things, small potatoes. Small potatoes. So today maybe you need to reach out to your parents. Living proof, abrupt ends happen. But I will tell you this. I saw this chart this week, and this is where it hit me. Years, eight through, years 1 through 18, there's 18 blue blocks. You are all in your parents' time. Year 19 on, there's one block. And that's the time you get left with your parents. And the, the, way that, the reason I'm sharing the weight of that right now is this. Satan will make you think you've got all the time in the world. Satan will make you think that the things in this world are going to be the things that satisfy you. Satan will make you think that everything in this world can save you except Jesus. And Jesus comes and says, listen, this life ain't nothing but a little bitty block in light of eternity. And the only thing that can save you is Jesus. The only thing that is the way is Jesus. The only thing that is not manipulating you, that is not trying to twist you, is not trying to keep you chained to sin is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, that one little block, that one little block. See, we focus on the 18 big blocks when it comes to time with our parents, and we fight and we rebel, and it's part of the growing process. But as we get older, we realize the importance of that one little block. That one little block. And so for us, where you are right now, I just want to say, uh, I know we're coming in as a crazy season. It's about to be the fall season, and I don't know why that's been so heavy on my heart. When it comes to that, but right now, in light of things, that argument you had, that thing you're not going to be reconciled with, I promise you, in light of it all, call them. Shoot the text message. It's worth it. Trust me. It's worth it. So Satan, the morning star, he's thrown down. He's masquerading as a, as, a, as a child of light. He makes you think that he is a child of light. He is up to his schemes. But the thing is, instead of focusing on Satan, we should be focused on Christ. We should be having Jesus be the center of our life. Instead of always looking for the morning star for our light, we're going to get to spend eternity in heaven with Christ Jesus, who is our light. And so for each and every one of us, the reason I wanted to share everything today and answer this really quick question, at the end, and it may be your question for what does the Bible say about, is in light of knowing that God created Satan, in light of knowing that Satan rebelled against God, and how he rebelled against God is he actually tried to be God, and it's hard for us, because we believe we can be the creator, we create our own fortune, right? We create, we think we are the creator of all when actually God is the creator of all. Because of that sin, because of that pride, God can't be in the presence of sin. He hurls Satan down to earth. Satan comes to earth. He is in the Garden of Eden. He slithers up, apparently has feet, so it's a caterpillar at the time. I don't know, but whatever it is, he's a snake. He comes up and he says to Adam and Eve that they should sin against God. They sin. We are all born in a fallen state. So Satan, Satan, listen, Satan divides and destroys. His whole goal is to make you be fallen just like him and to stay fallen. But Jesus has come so that we can be risen up. Jesus has come so that we can have life. So the question is, in light of all of that, it's a big deal here is what I want to say. Could God have stopped Adam and Eve from falling in the garden? And that's a, like, Judah, could God have stopped Satan from rebelling against him? And the answer is yes, but he didn't. Why? Because he knew the way. He knew Jesus would be the way. This is what I want to tell you about Satan. He can't do anything outside of the will of God. Read the book of Job. 
So you say, well, would God let something bad happen to me? Well, see, here's the thing with Satan and angels and for each and every one of us is we honestly, we think we can. We can't operate outside of the will of God. But by God's grace and mercy, he gives us a choice. He gives us the free will to either choose him or reject him and everything we do. We have that choice, but it can't go outside the bounds of that. So I'll share this, and I say this a lot, and you're higher order than dogs, and so am I, even though dogs are great pets. But think of it this way. Inside your backyard, many of us have fences, and inside the backyard, our dog can do whatever they want to do. We say they can't, but they can. They can do whatever they want to do. Like, yeah, you get mad when you step in poop that you forgot to clear up, but unless they do something to hurt the neighbor, they can do anything they want inside of that, that fence, right? They have the freedom to do that bound in that fence. See, Satan is kind of like a, a dog on a chain inside of that fence, He's still inside of the will of God, but he can't. He can do everything he can. He wants you to be a part of the chain, too. He will make you think and be convinced that this chain is the best thing ever. I know you got freedom out there, but and I know you got a leash, but doesn't it just doesn't this accessory tied to this tree look good with this leash? Like, doesn't this chain look good? Isn't this chain great? Like, have you ever imagined? Have you ever just thought what you would look like chained? Have you ever just thought about that? Have you ever just thought how good you look? Like, you would work the runway. Like, yes, you would work it. It would just be work. But, like, is that, that, free, that fence ain't too much freedom. I'm going to tell you what freedom is, being chained to this tree. That's what freedom is. That's what that dog, that's what Satan does. But he's still inside of the will of God. And I know I'm using a crazy example, but I want you to understand. God, in his grace and mercy, gives us a choice. Could evil be stopped? Yes, but the problem is we are the most evil. And instead of stopping it, God made a way to redeem it through Christ Jesus. And so when it comes to Satan, Satan could have not fallen. Satan could have had a different fate. Satan could have had a different choice, but instead he chose that he would be greater than God himself, or he thought. And because of that, he was thrown down. Because of that, he will suffer eternity, eternity, and fire. We hear that fire, uh, as I've said this before, shoal, if you ever read about it in the Hebrew Bible or Hebrews, they believe it's eternal darkness. Like, it's just darkness, like just darkness forever. And so for you and I right now, the heaviness of this is the season you're in, it may seem like the worst season ever. Focus on Christ. Focus on God. Because he's already worked it out. His, his word his will will not be thwarted. Because if we think we can thwart God's will, then we are doing the same thing Satan did here in Isaiah. We think that we matter and that we are greater than the will of God, and we aren't. Now, in the end, here we go. Your question's going to be, if that's the case, do you believe in predestination, Tyler? Uh, I'm not a five-point Calvinist. I do believe in election. I do believe God knows who's going to be his child before he does because God is outside of time. Our construct of time is so much different than God. God created time itself. He created the first day. He knows who his children are going to be, yet he still gives us the choice by his grace and mercy. Now, you say, why am I here? What does that matter? Well, we just use the, the bound of offense. I will ask you this. Uh, how many of us speed? Where's the highway patrolman? I just, uh, yeah, all of us speed, right? Is there a law? There is. So here's the choices you can make. When you go on the freeway, you can break the law and speed and hope you don't get caught. But odds are, if you speed every day, you're going to get caught at some point. You could be below the speed limit, and you could, there's a possibility you could be caught speeding. I don't know, but odds are, if you obey the law, you're going to get it. Or you could be that one person that every now and again you break the law. And just the day, you caught me the day, officer. I never speed. I was on my way to get TP at the store because everyone was out of stock. Like, whatever that is, wherever you are, that's it. See, this is what God does. The law has been broken by us no matter what. Like, we've already gone under the freeway with the law broken, and we have a choice. We have a choice. Are we going to receive that somebody's already paid the speeding ticket for us? <laughs> or are we going to keep trying to take control of it ourselves? But no matter what, the law is broken. We have a choice. So for us right now, I just want us to understand the beauty of this is God knew Satan would, God knew Satan would rebel. God knew he would have to send his son for us, yet he still created us. 
yet he still made us. Yet we are the ones he wants to redeem. We are the ones. Like, when you look back and we see all this and we study angels, and then we'll, we'll get to the end of it, I promise you. I'm, I'm talking a lot here, but I believe the Holy Spirit's moving, and, and I want you to understand this all the way through. If I, I said it earlier. If I made something perfect, I'd stop. I don't know about you, but if the perfect thing I made rejected me, and then the next thing I made in my image rejected me, I would quit. <laughs> Two out of three ain't bad, right? Like we've heard that, right? But God in his relentless, relentless love for us, love for his son, made a way for us to be redeemed through Jesus Christ. And so for us, if we, as we study this and we're studying about Satan and his schemes and we study about angels, like see God's grace and mercy. See that what's happening to you is inside of the will of God, and he is in control. Even if it feels like the mountains are falling down and this earth is fading, guess what? He's created a new heaven and earth. He has made a way for you and I. Like, think about this. This is, this is what's... God still chose us. If you get nothing else, God still chose us. So as we see Satan and his schemes, we see he was thrown down. He was a morning star that Jesus is now even redeeming the morning star. He's redeeming us to understand that Satan will go around and will try to make you as fallen as he has since the garden. See, this is what Psalm 91 says about this. If you ever go there, it's another, another little thing about angels when it comes to Psalm. But Psalm 91, verse 11 through 13 says this. It says, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. That should sound familiar. That's what Satan used to tempt Jesus. That, that one right there. Right there is when he said, throw yourself off the temple. Remember? He said, if you just jump off of here, if you just jump off of here, you won't be hurt. He says he'll command his angels. Look what verse 13 says. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. So all the way through, understand that God commands his angels concerning us who are in Christ Jesus. They will lift us up, but the thing is, all the way through, what we have to understand is what verse 13 says. That's the most pivotal thing. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. What does this go to? Genesis 3.15. What is it that God promises Adam and Eve? What happened? He banishes them at the end of Genesis 3 out of the garden because of sin. But he doesn't stop there. He makes a way. Verse 15 says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. This is Jesus, y'all. He will crush your head and you will strike your heel. This is what God says to Satan in the garden. When Adam and Eve fall, he goes to Satan because he knows what Satan has done. And he says, hey, there's someone that's coming that is greater. Psalm 91, really quick. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing, church. How many of us have been bitten by a cobra? <laughs> uh, I, was, I was preaching a revival once up in West. I'm just kidding. I have. Uh, <laughs> See, we may feel the strike of Satan's bite on our heel, but those of us who are in Christ Jesus will rest and the victory of him crushing his head. Satan can strike, but Jesus says, and that's what we rest in. Satan, you can strike just like he did with Job. He slithers in, and he's just like, aren't you tired of God yet? Is God really who he is? Is he creator God? Let me sing a song for you. Let me, let me tell you about a new way. Let me tell you how the song should be all about you and your worship and not about encountering the presence of God. Let me tell you what that should be about. Let me talk to you about that. Are you mad at him yet? Are you angry at him yet? He's not really in control of the situation. Let me tell you how you can take control of it. And I want to tell you, every time I take control of something, it just falls apart. Falls apart. That's what Satan will do. 
But those of us who are in Christ Jesus can rest in the victory of Christ crushing his head no matter how hard Satan strikes. So wherever you are right now, when it comes to angels and demons, yes, we're going to get to hang out with angels one day. There are angels here right now. I'm going to tell you some crazy stories about angels, I'm sure. But here's the deal. In the end, without God, the angels aren't here. Without God, you and I aren't here. Without Christ, you and I can't be redeemed. So the question is, is our focus going to be on Satan, his schemes, and what his pride and his sin tells us to do? Is it going to be trying to find an angel hoping that there's going to be an angel and that they'll go in the outfield and the angels will win the pennant or will we trust that Jesus is who he says he is that he has crushed the head of the serpent and no matter how many times that stupid snake 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 strikes we just shake him off man we just shake him off. You ain't got nothing. Your head's crushed. You can't do nothing. You ain't got no power over me. I'm not talking about what I will do. I rest in the I am. And he's already defeated you. I know how the story ends. I know where you're going. So in that moment in time and the season you're in and what you're walking through, we focus on Jesus. Period. This is why we get to gather together. Our focus in this house is always on the Lord. That is why it is the house of the Lord. And we focus on him and him alone. And the reason we do what we do every week is to point to Jesus because we know without Jesus, we are hopeless, we are helpless, no matter how beautiful we are, how smart we are, and how much we have it together and think we're perfect. Without Christ, we are dead, hopeless, helpless, and our beauty here will fade. Hey, yo, it will. But our beauty in Jesus will last for eternity. And that beauty is found on a bloodstained cross and an empty tomb. So wherever you are right now, the reason we do what we do is to refocus us back to Jesus, to be reminded that nothing will thwart the will of God. And we could talk about that, what the Bible says about We could talk about what I said earlier about God's elect. That's great. We can talk about that later. But you see, even though God knows who his elect are, he still offers you the choice the choice. The Holy Spirit is knocking on the doors of hearts right now. That's what that is. You have a choice. Will you choose God? Will you choose Christ as your treasure? Or will you reject him? Will you say, I rest in the I am? Are you going to go tell him what you're going to do with your life? So why we do what we do every week is that. So obviously we're going to have an awesome worship song here in a moment, but I just want to ask everyone, we do this every week for the benefit of those coming to faith for the first time. It's not the words of this prayer that saves you. It's not memorizing a Bible verse, memorizing a prayer, knowing what the next line is going to be. It's the, it's the faith. It's the faith that Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus, Jesus is who he says he is, that he came with the perfect sinless life. We couldn't live to redeem us. He died the death we deserve, paying the penalty for our sin bearing the full wrath of God. Instead of living in the rejection of being thrown out of heaven, we get to be welcomed into the family through Christ Jesus. And he loves us enough that he didn't stay dead, but he rose again on the third day so that we could have life, have it to the full now. We don't have to be chained to a tree in the backyard. We can live inside of the will of God and have all of the freedom of following and trusting him inside of his will. And so the question is, will you choose Jesus today? We're going to say this prayer out loud as a family. Everybody's going to repeat the words after me. But once again, it's the faith that Jesus is who he says he is. So please repeat these words after me. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came live the perfect sinless life I couldn't live die the death I deserve paying the penalty for my sins on the cross but love me enough not to stay dead but rose again on the third day so that I may have life come take over my life Lord teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how and with every head bow and every eye closed, if that's you in the house, if you're watching online, if you're on the streams throughout the world, throughout the week right now, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you if for the first time you've surrendered your life to Christ and confessed him as Lord of your life. You've confessed and repented your sins, surrendered your life to Christ. Would you raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. If this is the first time you've ever done that, will you do that? If you're online right now, you can. Will you raise your hand? I mean, I, I don't care if you're in a coffee shop. I don't care if you're in a car. Uh, maybe if it's a green light, you can still raise your hand. You can put it back on the steering wheel. We like that. We want to, you know, 10 and 2, I guess, used to be. Now it's, what, 4 and 6, whatever. Wherever you are right now, we want to celebrate. Listen, we, do, we would love for you to let us know. 
Reach out to us at hello at thevine.tv. Shoot us a comment. Shoot us a message. We don't want to sit there and talk about us and boast in us and how great we are that, that, that you surrendered your life to the Lord. No, we want to give him the glory. We want to help you take your next step. We want to get you in touch with a local church wherever you are so that you can continue to grow in the Lord. Because here's the thing. The salvation you're experiencing doesn't stop with you. You share it with everyone he places in your path. And so right now, I pray that each and every one of us, everyone else you can look up, we're about to worship. I pray that as we go into the presence of God, just this moment, I love that we aren't afraid to worship in this house. I I love that we point to Jesus in all we do. In this moment, will you take the season you're in? Will you take the struggles you've got? Will you take what your worry, your anxiety, and I mean, I'm preaching to myself right now, the worry, the anxiety, the hurt, what you're walking through right now, would you just lay it down and not make this song about you, but instead about stepping into the presence of Jesus, worshiping and lifting his name high, because it is a beautiful name. His is the best name. It is a beautiful name. It is the name in which every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Will we step into his presence right now?
Yeah. Aren't you glad that we can rest in the name of Jesus? That any, hey, I'm glad it ain't Tyler's name in shining lights, because I tell you what, it wouldn't be shining bright like a diamond. I'm going to tell you right now, only in Christ Jesus do we get to. And I'm so thankful that in spite of us, God chose us. Whatever you're walking through, I'm telling you, Satan can't. We know his end. We know his end. Like, seriously, seriously. When he comes striking at your heel like that little chihuahua, you just, just let him know. Let him know. Christ is king. Jesus has overcome. And that is where my focus is. It isn't on the angel. It isn't hoping that Gabriel brings me a great message or that Michael comes in and fights my battles. It's that Christ has already won the battle, and that's what I can rest in. So as we go out this week, as hey, economy-wise, people are hurting. As we go out, families are broken, children are struggling in school, students, staff, and teachers. They're, right now, let's share some Jesus. It's the best thing we can share with them. Not our words of advice, Jesus. That's all we get to share. And if that's all we get to share, my goodness, heaven's going to be full. I'm fine with it. So hope you have an awesome week. Join us next week as we wrap up Angels. Make sure you get your question in and what does the Bible say about. And always remember that the best is still yet to come. And why? Jesus still sits on the throne. We'll see you next week.